When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome in, everybody. It is our first NFL College Football Friday previews of the season as we welcome you into Bar Canada at the D in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick Maher. Amal Shaw is here. He, he, he you know, him and Dustin Sweetelson, our producer, they, uh, they were able to survive the, what, the smoky environs of, I don't know, a particular venue of watching football last night? What, what's the story here, Mo? Yeah, we were out at some dive place. I don't know who <laughs> recommended, but we wound up there. But I'll tell you what. I uh, did. It was better, it was better than uh, Patrick Mahomes' performance last night. Actually, it wasn't on Mahomes, really. I'll tell you what. Maybe they can find somebody that can catch. Everybody's talking about the Lions, but I'm like, if somebody could actually catch the football for the Kansas City Chiefs, we wouldn't be talking about the Detroit Lions right now, would we? Did you know that PFF had Kadarius Tony's performance last night? Worst single PFF grade for a wide receiver since... Kadarius 2008, Tony. well, basically, since 2018. <laughs> since Kadarius Tony came into the league, and, and you look at that result from last night, that's how we opened the show. Then we'll get into all the college football NFL marquee games uh, later on today. Steve Fezzik, professional NFL better, will be in studio with us for an entire hour, as well as Mike Samich, host of The Handle on the weekends, joins us a little bit later as well. But, you know, in a game where, where Kansas City puts up 20, has two different drives them all in the red zone with either second and two or second and one, get a combined six points on those two drives, give up a pick six, give up a touchdown after a fake punt, has kind of the feeling of a, we'll look at this game back in week nine and go, what what the hell happened here? That that was my pick. I, I, I thought the loss of Chris Jones was more impactful than Travis Kelsey. Even though Kelsey would have made a difference on a couple of those drop plays, Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney with some crucial drops in that game. Uh, where do you guys put that first catch on first down and 10 in the drop? Do you put that on Mahomes? you put that on Tony or a combination of both? It was a little bit behind him, but he was open. You know, if he catches that ball, He's probably running for another seven, eight yards with Butker. You're already in field goal range. I mean, the alligator arm at Dustin, so I don't know. I look at that and you go, how, how do you not? You're a professional NFL receiver. If it's you, I go, that's on Mahomes. But well, if it's Tony, come on, you got to make the catch. Yeah, two parts. Uh, one, if it hits your hands, you're supposed to catch it. It's the general rule. And secondly, they need him to make that play in a game without Kelsey. Like, yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the magnitude of that catch is much larger when you're missing your top weapon. So he needs to be more alert to make a play like that. 
just absolutely atrocious from these Kansas City receivers. Is you know they they've mixed guys in over the years and created some guys and made them look better than they really are. But that was as bad as this receiving core has looked in the Patrick Mahomes era. Yeah, I would say we're probably being a little bit too hard though on Kadarius Tony. I mean, his average per target was 0. .2 yards. He had five targets, one catch for one yard. That's a hell of a game. Well, how, how about Sky Moore, who uh, myself and many others in the gambling oh, yeah. community. Hey, hey, make sure you take JVT on that bus yeah. with you, buddy. We, we were on that over for Sky Moore. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking at the box score right now. Hang on, I got to scroll all the way to the bottom because that's where Sky Moore is. He has a blue Tarski. 0.0. DF, a DFL there. Look, Patrick Mahomes, second half. 9-22, 79 yards and a pick. Kind of amazing to think about just throughout the history of the Chiefs under Patrick Mahomes. First time ever with Mahomes as a starter for head coach Andy Reid where his defense has allowed 14 points or fewer and yeah. the Chiefs have not won the game. That, to me, speaks more volumes than anything else we saw last night. Yeah, I thought there were some missed opportunities. Uh, you know, we were discussing the gamble on the fake punt. Turned out to be the right decision for the Detroit Lions. I wasn't thrilled with that play called that early in the game. But Dan Campbell now has seven fake punts in his tenure during uh, his time with the Detroit Lions. So... I, I don't know. You know, I thought the defense did a better job in the second half for Kansas City. But again, missed opportunities by the offense converting. Um, you know, the, Mahomes is under more pressure than you probably would have wanted to see if you're a Kansas City fan or backer. But this team has got to get more in the running game. Uh, I mean, you look at uh, Pacheco and Edwards Hilaire, 14 carries for 45 yards. That's not getting it done. I mean, my big takeaway, and we'll get to the Dan Campbell sound in a second, but I mean, how damn good did that front seven look for Detroit? That was the one thing I was not a believer in, the adjustments being going from, what, a bottom five rush defense and pass defense to all of a sudden a team with a good enough defensive unit to potentially win the division as favorites. And man, Dustin, did they just get off the ball in a curry last night? Yeah, they were that good. And Juwan Taylor had a head start on every play because he false started <laughs> and didn't line up on the line of scrimmage every single play of the game. So... I love how they waited until, like, the final play to make the call. I mean, oh, Dustin, same, every, same thing, every single, single play. play. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, what is this, college football, nine and a half yards for a first down scenario? I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous in terms of what you saw from the fall start from the right tackle with the Chiefs. And I love that Terry McCauley, the NBC rules analyst, essentially said, well, if it's kind of, you know, they're kind of letting it, but it's fine. Like, it was, there was really nothing definitive it, it was like, it, it was the, the, the analysis was kind of like, it's like a balk in baseball. If he does it every time, then that's just what he does. He can just sort of do it. Want to get to the Dan Campbell sound, then I have some in-game coaching to throw at you, all from sure. what we saw last night. Certainly a mixed bag from Dan Campbell, but at the end of the day, Lions with a statement win and a huge start for a team that was favored in the NFC North with a nine and a half win total. Here was Dan Campbell post game with the Lions winning 21-20. I didn't learn anything. I got verification on what I already knew. And this is a resilient team. Uh, it already was a resilient team and we added pieces to that resilient team. So um, we're built to handle some, some stuff and, uh, and we did that today against a very good opponent. We expected to win this game. You know, we came in here and uh, we knew what we needed to do and, and uh, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. And we did that. And really what it means is that's one. So that's all well and good and all. But Dan Campbell last night, fake punt inside his own 20. First time that had happened in an NFL game in over five years. Punts on a fourth and five at the plus 40. Accepts a penalty that essentially gave Kansas City a free down. And yeah. it would have been a third and about two and a half instead. Backs him up. Chiefs end up scoring a couple plays later. So 
That's that's exactly the type of soundbite you'd expect to hear from Dan Campbell when you pull off an upset. But where do you look at him from an in-game decision maker and a manager? Because I still feel like he's he still has a long way to go for all the great talk he brings. Let's start with the back end of first. You mentioned the penalty. I don't have a problem with that because third and two, two and a half. I think you're giving the Kansas City Chiefs two downs in that scenario. But fortunately for the Detroit Lions, the Kansas City Chiefs believe their running backs and their halfbacks are better playmakers than Patrick Mahomes. So they gave this team a couple of opportunities. Remember that one play where they had the inside handoff or a pitch forward to uh, Kadir? Tony at the one-yard line. I didn't even understand that play. You've got the greatest quarterback in the world, and you want to sit there and do this nonsense. It's like when teams want to run a fake punt on fourth and seven, just put your damn offense out there. The offense is not better than your special teams running the play for seven yards. And I didn't like the play, but you got to give them credit. They executed it successfully, and they saw something in the Kansas City defense that allowed them to take advantage of the uh, fake punt. They ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, so good for Dan Campbell and them. I disagree with the one big one that I was hung up on is the decision on the fourth down and five to not go for it. Um, the only thing I can argue is on the flip side with the way Butker kicks the ball, it's one pass down the field and they've got potentially three points if they're taken over at the 40. That's the only argument I can see that's plausible from that perspective. But like we talked about yesterday, uh, Dustin, JBT and I was that so many of these coaches and I don't care what the PFF stuff says. There's time scoring situation. Like one of my big things is I'm never sending a punt returner back in certain situations. If the opponent's got less than uh, two timeouts, if they got one timeout or less remaining and there's a minute 20 or less left on the clock and you're going to be fielding the ball inside your own 10-yard line, why are you sending a punt returner back? Most of these coaches are not cerebral enough to understand the ramifications of a potential fumble as opposed to a fair catch. There's so many little nuances with these coaches and PFF thinks, oh, this is the analytics of it. No, you know what? What is the prudent play based on time scoring situation is so much more relevant than just simply based on the math of what it is. Well, my point with all this was, look, front seven, unbelievable for Detroit, relative to preseason expectations. Aiden Hutchinson looks like an absolute dude now on that coming off the edge, which is terrorizing a really good KC offensive line all night. At the same time, there's still a ways to go for Dan Campbell as a coach, and I wonder, Dustin, how much you think. I mean, for, from the overreaction standpoint, it'll be interesting to see where this win total goes when it's re-released on Tuesday because Detroit was 9.5, a, a lot of hype to the over. I'm not sure I'm willing to go all in, even though the, the D-line is clearly much better. Yeah, I think a lot of us in the, in the betting community have been skeptical of what the Lions really are, right, Ben? Like, I, I think a lot of us look at them and go, I, I understand the progress they made a year ago. I know the pieces. Um... I know people want to get caught up in the minutia of the in-game stuff, but I kind of want to be results-driven for a moment instead of process-driven. And the results show, even without Travis Kelsey, for the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, they needed this win to me. And the results are showing me that they are a team ready to take that next step we have been projecting them being capable of doing. I mean, last year they went 9-8. and eight. <laughs> Let's not act like they, they were a 12-win team a year ago. Of course. But in order to get to where they need to be and for what he was brought in to be, kind of an out-of-the-box hire to take this team to the next level, you need to win games on the road against good teams. That's the defending Super Bowl champs. For the Detroit Lions, they should absolutely have their chest out. I don't know how to project the win total because I'm a big believer of you're going to win a game or two that you should probably lose, and you're going to lose a game or two you probably should win for a lot of these teams that aren't the upper, upper echelon. Sure. And you look at it on the flip side. I mean, for Kansas City, it was 11.5 win total, but the Chris Jones contract is still not solidified. Usually the hyperextension on knees are a week-to-week injury for Travis Kelsey, so there's no guarantee, guys, that this just all of a sudden sorts itself out right away in week two. 
No, you're right about that. And I'll tell you what, though. Jones is not doing himself any favor. He's scheduled to make, I think, 19 and a half this year. So he lost about $1.2 million or somewhere in that range for last night's game for not playing. It hurt the Chiefs. I think if he plays, it makes a huge difference on that defensive front in terms of the run game. I think it would have forced Detroit into more passing situations. So for me, I thought that was a detriment to the uh, Chiefs. I'll tell you what, though. This is bad for Jacksonville. I think you're going to get a refocused, healthy Travis Kelsey in there. Kansas City Chiefs are come ready to play next week down in Duval. But more importantly, you brought up a great point, Ben. Don't overreact on the Detroit Lions. Can we be honest with ourselves here for a minute? How the hell did Sky Moore drop a pass that I don't know if you could go run 25 yards down the field and hand the ball off to somebody in a better position? That ball breaks the plane for the first down. It's going to be first and 10. They're in position to get another 10 yards, and Bucker kicks the winner. No, I, I get that, but you have to give them at least some credit here. They found a way to win on the road against the defending Super Bowl champs. Like, you can take whatever parameters you want and, and say, well, there was no Kelsey, and there was no Jones, no, there was no. no this. That is a massive win for the Detroit Lions. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. But, you know, it was funny. I, I saw somebody on TV this morning say they played a C game, the Lions, and I'd probably agree with that to a certain extent. They've got room to improve. Sure. Uh, they, they definitely can do better. Give them credit. They found a way to win when they didn't have their best football and neither did the Kansas City Chiefs. They deserve a ton of credit for that. But I don't want people to sit there and be like, well, listen, there's, the parade's going to start in <laughs> Birmingham and they're going to make yeah. our way over to X, Y, and Z and we're going to conclude over sure. here. I mean, come on, let, let's slow down a little when bit. When I look at it too, are we really ready to say the Chiefs and Lions, were the Chiefs really a two-point favorite on a neutral field based on, the, on where the home field power rating set this closing line at? I, I still say that's a ridiculous overvaluation of where the Lions are at and an undervaluation of where Kansas yeah, but the problem in this business is anytime anybody's right, no matter if they got there by hook or crook or if they had a referee on their side, they're going to tell you it was still the right side. Hey, my Chiefs money, minus 195 money line play. Love the bet. I'd make it again. Uh, exactly. But it, I woke up with uh, a loss in the bank account today. College football when we come back here on Sharp Money. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
just underway on the Friday edition of Sharp Money, live from downtown Las Vegas. Bar Canada at the D. We'll get into some college football here later on this hour, but right now I'm all Shaw. Some breaking news coming out in the NFL. This is around the time we get a lot of injury reports here. And in the Green Bay Packers-Chicago Bears game, Packers without projected leading wide receiver Christian Watson been dealing with a hamstring injury, suffered late in camp. Officially head coach Matt LaFleur says out. And Robbie Dobbs remains questionable as he works through his injuries on his own. Not not the greatest outlook from a wide receiver perspective for new quarterback Jordan Love. Well, Ben, you're from that hotbed of tourism, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, oh, yeah. huge Packer fan. What does the impact of Watson being out have on Jordan Love in this offense? Look, it, it's certainly significant. And you, you can't say that there's no, no drop-off whatsoever. I was already ready to downgrade Green Bay slightly because of the perceived absence of Watson. But even, even if Dobbs and Watson are both out, guys, I used to look at this as a game where Green Bay should be favored by probably a field goal, if not north of it. Legitimately, the only thing Chicago has going for them in this game is the fact that the Packers with the second-worst run defense a season ago and the Bears have a great rushing quarterback in Justin Fields. Outside of that, I don't really understand where the love has come for a Chicago team that still has a ton of holes defensively. And I'm not really sure how a, an offensive line that has been retooled but doesn't have much reps together will hold up against a really, really good general front seven secondary for Green Bay that should understand from previous film on fields, as long as you make that a one-dimensional offense for Chicago, force them to throw the ball, you're likely to have success. So I still favor Green Bay in the game. It's certainly a big impact losing Watson, but like the Packers, even with this injury. Yeah, line's down to one now. Uh, money line's 115 on the Bears. Packers minus 105. So you're going to play this game, play the money line either way. There's no reason to lay a point. or You can take the point if you want for an extra five cents. Actually, not a bad play to take it for an extra five cents there with the Packers. But overall, good opportunities there uh, in terms of this matchup. The only reason I say to take... Um, you can take the plus one there, and it's an extra five cents. Not a big deal. It's better than normally you'd pay ten cents for a half a point. So, not uh, too far of a reach there. But not it's, it, no, it's not. It's going to be interesting. I want to see how this Bears team performs. I think a lot of people want to see how Justin Fields and company play. By the way, one other thing, I, did, I just saw it on the board. I didn't realize this game is a four twenty-five Eastern start, three twenty-five local in Chicago and Wisconsin. So, just something I, I would have expected this to be in that one o'clock window, but late window here. The old uh, the Fox Prime crew gets this game with Bears and Packers and head coach Matt LaFleur. And we have some sound from him as well as his team gets ready. Big divisional matchup to open the season there in the Windy City. Yeah, I think any time that you can string together a few completions, that typically builds the confidence up a little bit. Um, so whether how you do it, there's a lot of different ways. It could shoot. It could be taking a shot down the field. It could be throwing a screen. So, but yeah, I think that's important to, to try to do, get them in the, in the flow of the game. And I think typically you do that just by getting more plays. So whether, even if it's running the football and you get some first downs, but you just gotta, you gotta string together a few plays to help really everybody get into a rhythm. And that's why I look at it, guys, and I, I look, you know, I say from the defensive backfield perspective, cluster injuries for the Chicago Bears, Jaquan, uh, Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson, two key pieces at the safety room, each questionable heading into this game, a bottom five run and pass defense from a season ago. So just because you take out Christian Watson at wide receiver, it's not like Jordan Love is just going to have no chance against the 85 Bears. That, that's not the case at all. And so I, I think what Matt LaFleur kind of just laid out there is the realistic expectations for how Love's going to perform. And I, I look at his improvements in preseason and go, 
Game speed is clearly slowed down for him. It's just, can he avoid making the big mistake on the throws right in front of him? I haven't seen enough of him to make an assessment or a comment in terms of where he really is. I think we'll get a better idea this week. But even still, you mentioned it. The Bears defense, not a leap. It's not going to remind anybody of the 85 Bears. So a long way to go. But a good opportunity for Green Bay to get a start on a road opponent in division with the Lions coming off of a win and Minnesota looking like they should get a good opportunity for a win at home against the Buccaneers. By the way, that line now painted one and a half, so the Watson News did drive this up uh, another half point. So it's back into that long teaser territory if you're interested in Green Bay. And you can now get, if you shop around them all, you can find plus 105 on that money line as well. So there's been a little bit more of a gap there. This wasn't, Dustin, you have bet like every game on the board, and somehow this was not one of them, which I'm, I'm stunned at. So I, I have an issue with everyone in the marketplace who's obsessed with Jordan Love despite seeing very little from him. And I, That's fair. Not, not to say that my skepticism is fair either, but I really don't see what everyone else is seeing in the limited action that he's been out there for. And I'm definitely not taking anything away from the preseason. The base defense and shell coverages these quarterbacks see in the preseason do not dictate what you're going to see in a real NFL game. And I'm not saying that either way. I'm not saying I'm doubting him because of that. I'm not saying I'm pro him because of his success. I'm just saying that we have to wait and see on Jordan Love. But I am leaning towards the side where I don't think he's the dude everyone's acting like they believe he is based on them also not seeing everything I didn't see. I I didn't see one part of your statement that was uh, pro-Jordan Love. (laughs) I'm just just being real here. I'm not saying he stinks. I'm just saying he's not good. I would say from having watched every snap Jordan Love has taken in his three NFL preseasons, there's been an obvious growth, which you would expect when you're in the same system for three seasons. How will that translate? I I think you make a good point, Dustin. It's impossible to say. I don't know that the the pros being all over Green Bay in this game, though, has anything to do with expecting, oh, Love's just going to look like preseason too. People people picked them to win the division. JVT loves them to win the division. He was all over it yesterday. I get it. All the other pieces are good. But can we still remember that Aaron Rodgers a year ago struggled with those weapons on the outside to have a consistent flow on offense? The run game's there. The O-line of Bakhtiari's healthy is there. Jordan Love a little more athletic than Aaron Rodgers at this point in in Rodgers' career. I get where, where everyone's coming from from that. But I just, I don't see Jordan Love as a guy who's going to win you ball games. That's why I look at it just as a, you have to kind of separate the week one handicap from season long. They're yes. going to be tremendous growing pains for Green Bay. This is a great spot, though, if you compare the strengths and weaknesses of Green Bay and Chicago I agree. for the Packers. And that's why I think you're seeing a big, you've seen the big market movement already from Green Bay plus three to plus one and a half over the summer. Absolutely agree with that. So what you're saying, Dustin, though, that Aaron Rodgers' play t- uh, tapering off a little bit had to do with the fact that he didn't have a great supporting cast. Now that he's got an absolute dude at receiver and a dude at running back, the Jets are going to win this division? <laughs> oh, I, I actually think I have the Jets to win the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be awesome. I'm just making sure. Don't you also have Baltimore to win the Super Bowl? Which he's got three. He's got three picks. Okay. It's, well, no, it's I, not I, I, I'm going to have four Super Bowl bets, and they're, they're all going to be like 17 to one or greater. Okay. So he's got the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Jets. All right. Well, you bring up Baltimore. I, I, I actually five. Dustin, I, I don't understand why the you know the market has been very sour on this Baltimore team. A lot of buzz about the Ravens maybe missing the playoffs this season. I love how they'll be changing the offense with the new OC and Todd Monkey who's going to push the ball down the field. I have some sound from him just on what the expectations will be right away, how we should expect this new offense to look in week one against Houston. It doesn't seem universal to me. It seems pretty normal um, that the guy in charge uh, has a big say in what you do and how we do it. Um, his career is on the line. How we have success is on the line. Now, 
with that being said, um, I think the more you empower people, it's not just a quarterback, the more you empower people, your coaches, your staff, people that work for you all, the more you empower them, to me, you're going to get more out of them. They're going to embrace their role. They're going to want to be, they're going to bring ideas to you. If you poo-poo every idea someone has, they stop bringing you ideas. It just works that way. Now you got to earn that. You know, you don't just allow anybody to have control of an offense or changing things or in any business. You don't allow just anybody to uh, to be empowered without earning that. That comes with that. But I think it's it's the only way to be elite. I learned that from people empowering me. That's not something I developed. This isn't a Todd Munkin thing. That is a life. That is a life thing. Holy cow, this guy should be a spokesman for Ambien. Jesus. You don't he think get, he had relevant things to say, Mr. Motivational Speaker? Hey, you got the third person reference in there really well at the end of all. Dude, what is this guy, half a melatonin? I mean, my God, this guy can put people to sleep. Did you not listen to the words he was saying? Yeah, I love the third person Todd Munkin reference. Oh, my God. He came across as a very smart guy in terms of leadership and managing people. You, you're you're all about motivation, motivating people and trying to get the most out of them, and you're going to just dismiss his message i'm not dismissing his message the problem was i was not enthused by listening to it oh my god I mean, my god no, can you imagine an arrowhead when they're in the headset there he could barely be able to audible the play down there they're gonna barely be able to hear it that's probably why the voice sounds that way for, for years of yelling into headsets. at the preseason I, he had to yell at these guys well, well, well I, you know over time that, that stuff up tends to play out I, i'm just really interested on the, the market move we, we've seen so far guys in texans and ravens for week one where I understand that it takes time for a new system to be integrated and have success. We're talking about a Houston offensive line that's in complete tatters. Three of the projected five opening day starters are either going to be severely banged up or out. Head coach D'Amico Ryans makes his debut and let yet, you know, at Circa yesterday, a huge bet came in on Houston at plus 10, moving the number all the way down to nine, which does not make any sense to me. Dustin, I know you disagree. No, no, actually, uh, I I think if you're going to bet this game, Houston is the side since 2005, double-digit favorites in week one. Uh... 50-50. 50-50. Never mind. I thought I had a better number on that. I swore I had a better number on that. But, okay, even if it was, let's say, 60%, every game you have to apply the context. You really want, I mean, this is a rookie head coach. Rookie head coaches and all tend to struggle in the first yeah. few weeks getting in, used to their new system. You really want to bet C.J. No, Stroud on the road with no offensive line? It's not, it's 5-10 and 10 ATS, not 5 out of 10. Ravens, ra- yeah. So you're saying the home team is 5-10 and 10 ATS? No, no, no. The favorite in the 10 points. Yeah, 5 and, yeah, five and 10, ACS. Okay, great. That's a huge sample size. 15 games? <laughs> That's a 15-game sample size. Big, big sample size. All right, well, transitions of college football talk comes your way right after this on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting switch page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes. You can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. We will return to the National Football League in a little bit, but right now let's dive in. Huge weekend, week two in college football, a number of marquee matchups, guys, and 
It really starts with Texas and Alabama. There were some seven and a halfs in the market, but um, all those have all since vanished. So if you wanted the Longhorns, you had chances to get seven and a half. Now we're seeing sevens pretty much painted uh, market-wide as the Longhorns go to T-Town on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I think Texas is going to win the ballgame. I think Jalen Milrow is going to get exposed. He's a tremendous player. He's a great runner, but he's not a dual threat yet. It's going to take some time before he improves upon his accuracy. It's not going to happen in this game. For some reason, people think uh, Middle Tennessee is the 85 Bears, and all of a sudden now Jalen Milrow should be the front runner for the Heisman. Forget about Caleb Williams. Forget about Sam Hartman. Forget about Michael Penix and everybody else and everyone in between. Look, Alabama's a good football team. They've got a ton of talent, but they're not as good as they've been in years past. Texas is in a huge revenge spot here. If you watch the game closely last year, they had a bad call in the end zone go against them. Uh, they had Will Anderson. They had uh, some other talent in the back of that defense. They, they're just not as good, in my opinion, even though Malachi Moore is banged up in this one. Dallas Turner's going to have to have a uh, big day. If he can, then I think they've got a shot, even though the game is at home. I think Texas has got the talent and the ability to win this game. Jatavion Sanders is going to have a monster day for the Horns. He is going to be a key for this team. The tight end number zero, he is an absolute all-airport team guy. This guy's the first guy you want off the bus. I think he's going to be a tough matchup for this Alabama defense. They've got a good football team. I'm not taking anything away from what the Crimson Tide can do this year. But I think Texas right now is in their best position they've been in a long time. And I think Alabama is arguably in their worst position they've been in a long time. Yeah, Texas losing last year at home as three touchdown underdogs by a single point with quarterback Quinn Ewers getting injured. When you say from the pure handicap perspective of them all, this is, yep. you mentioned how sometimes we overreact, especially in college football when you're playing a, a patsy of a week one opponent. This is one of those handicaps you just look at your preseason inkling. And that's just how you, you break down the game. Because you could also say on the Texas side, I mean, they, they treated that Rice opponent like they were being paid to essentially play in like a charity function at South by Southwest. They looked zero, they had zero interest in playing that game whatsoever. So I, I look at the game and go, this should be purely based on your preseason instincts, not at all what we watched from either team in week one. Yeah, Rice and Texas, the previous time they had played to last year, Texas beat them like 56 nothing or somewhere in that range. Some, something ridiculous, maybe 55-10. I don't recall exactly, but... You know, when you look at this game, uh, Ewers was fine. He was 19 for 30 for 263 touchdowns, no INTs. Blue ran the ball for uh, 10 for 55 and Brooks for 12 for 52. Not a bad balance there. Uh, but to me, you've got Wor Worthy, Whittington, Sanders. These are guys that are capable of having big days. Worthy goes 7 for 90. Look, Xavier Worthy is in that second to third tier of receivers in college football. For me, that first tier is Roma Dunzier, uh, McMillan at Washington, Harrison, Egbuka, uh, Dorian Singer potentially at USC. And then Worthy comes in that second range. He is not at those guys' level because he's inconsistent. Tomorrow, he can't afford any drops. I don't care if it's a quick out, if it's a deep pass. The one thing that plagues him in every game is a little bit of inconsistency. If he can be more consistent, Ben, I think they've got a great shot and a great opportunity in this game. This Texas team, I, I can promise you this. Yes, the Oklahoma game is there, but remember they murdered, and I mean straight up murdered. There's a homicide investigation still open in Dallas based on what transpired at the Red River last year. And you look at this is the game they've circled all year. This is the one that gets Texas back to national recognition and respect. You're going to win in Alabama. You win in Tuscaloosa. That's going to give you a lot of cachet, whether you deserve it or not, based on what Alabama's sure. this year remains to be seen. But this is the stepping stone towards Texas. For Joe Tessitore, after 20 damn years saying they're back, they could actually be back. <laughs> you, you were only two points off on the Texas rights. 58-0 so nothing. from oh, two 58 years nothing. Okay. Hence why maybe there was not, yeah, you, you could tell, not a lot of urgency from Texas. Did not cover his well over 30-point favorites last week in their home opener. Here's what the head coach Steve Sarkeesian has to say about the mindset heading in as Texas goes to Tuscaloosa tomorrow night. 
ah, we're focused on what we need to do. Uh, the moment you start focusing on what the outcome could be, what the result could be, the game hits you in the mouth and you lose. So we got to focus on what we need to do. Uh, naturally, Bryant-Denny Stadium's a, a heck of an environment. They do a tremendous job at Alabama with their with their game day, uh, the electricity in the stadium. Uh, but the key to the drill is focus on what we need to do. And we can't get caught up thinking we're going to play all 17 teams that, that Coach Saban's had the last 17 years. And, we, and the players and the coaches on. We're playing the 2023 Alabama football team, which is very good. And they're very well coached. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great environment for college football. All that being said, we need to focus on what we need to do. Guys, I can tell you right now, Steve Sarkeesian doesn't believe this team is that good. Having been in Tuscaloosa, he knows what he's seen. The best part of this Alabama team right now is on the offensive line. J.C. Latham's probably going to be a first-round pick, the tackle for the Crimson Tide. He's a tremendous talent. But other than that, when you look at Jermaine Burton, the transfer in from Georgia two years ago. Jermaine Burton, I remember when he transferred there. I get he didn't want to play with Stetson Bennett, in essence. You want to play with Bryce Young, that would be the prudent move. But Jermaine Burton is not as good as Jermaine Burton thinks he is. When you look at this team yeah. right now, they're just, they don't have the talent. They don't have that dude at tight end. The defensive front outside of Dallas Turner, and he is not in the same class as Will Anderson. I'm a huge Dallas Turner fan. You look at the linebacking court. They're not as good as we've seen in years past. The secondary solid, not elite. This is a good football team. This is not a great football team. Alabama has lost three games once in the last 15 years. This could be a season where they lose three games if they don't get things on track tomorrow night in Tuscaloosa. Doesn't mean they can't win the game. Doesn't mean they can't cover. But I can tell you right now from a betting standpoint, it's the shorthorns all day, baby. It's a hard one for me to look at. Like, you know, I bet everything. This is one of those things where I look at this game and all I see is a Texas team that has all the known commodities, right? Alabama's normally, we, we know all these players coming back. We already have them projected into first and second round draft slots. The question is, will it be them or Georgia with more draft picks in the first round this year? Ohio State, please continue. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, I'd take the wager on that right now. What? Ohio State has more first round picks than any team in college football this year. Yeah, but I'm not. I just want to correct you. That's all. Let's go. I'm, I'm literally going to hang myself on this camera. Promise? <laughs> I was just making a reference to I'm the fact that over, over the last few years, it's always been Georgia or, or Alabama. It was a casual throwaway comment. The, the, everyone watching me understood what I was saying, but Amal needed to jump in and ruin my train of thought. So the known commodities are the side of Texas. It's the first time Alabama's going to a big game like this where you're going, I don't know what they have. They only return like four or five guys on offense, four or five guys on defense. Like you just don't know what they are. Also have a new offensive coordinator for them, Tommy Reese. I don't know how Tommy Reese is going to perform in a big game in a big situation like this. And on the other side, I love what Texas brought in. They have a deep running back room. You talked about Worthy on the outside. The defense is really good. But I cannot bet against Nick Saban in big games, so I'm completely staying away from this game. Well, I, look, I tend to stay away from the, you know, the huge marquee, everybody's on them games. But you, know, you talk about Texas being a known commodity. We, we have known them as a team that, that gets up for the, you know, the top 10 opponents, even if the, like the issues with Texas historically over the last few years have been the inability to get up for, say, the, the subpar Big 12 team yes. where they completely lay an egg. Look, since Texas beat Georgia, if you go all the way back to the Sugar Bowl 2019, they have faced six top 10 teams over the last four seasons. They have not won a single one of those, but they have lost by seven or less every single time. 
That's why I have to think a lot of betters look at this and all they go, really? I'm getting seven? Even at some point, seven and a half? That's definitely a spread bet they'd be willing to make. You said including the 2019 season? That's Yeah, starting with 2019, they yeah. lost to LSU, LSU by 40, seven. 45 38 yeah. in that game in Austin, right? That was a tight game. Nobody remembers that LSU was going to go on to become what they became in that season. So I think you're absolutely right. This team plays to a level of competition. I think that's one of the biggest knocks we've seen with the Horns over the decades in terms of playing up or down at the level of competition. This is the perfect spot if you look at Texas. I, I don't know if you necessarily say in the last 10 years if this is 100% their best roster or their best scenario, but I think it is from a quarterback standpoint. And you've got a perfect scenario from um, the other side with when you look at Alabama, the most uncertainty they've had a quarterback since I can recall uh, going back to probably uh, Parker Wilson or, yeah. or J John Parker Wilson or even when finally they started A.J. McCarron. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Milrow's got tremendous ability, but if Texas covers sideline to sideline with him running the football, I'm going to tell you right now, I stuffed the box and say, if Jalen Milrow beats us thrown through the air, God bless you. You can have the win. Have a nice day. Blake Barnett. That was the last time. But Blake Barnett was a big-time five-star recruit. No, but I'm Looked saying, like but, Tarzan, played like Jane. There was another guy he was battling, too. For, I'm saying to have questions going no. into the year at quarterback position. But I think that time when Barnett was battling, and I, I forgot who he was up against. Was he was Sims. Something, was it Philip Sims? Sims? Yeah, Philip Sims. Sims. And so... Not that uh, Phil Sims. Okay. No, no. Yeah. This was Philip Sims. But um, the point is, you look at this team, they had three guys battling it out this year. And they just really don't have the guy. You know, when you look at Milrose's ability, Dustin, he is so quick and he's got so much ability. If he could ever throw the ball, they wouldn't even been a contest. Also, the fact that there are those two other guys that they sort of somewhat believe in, could that hurt them getting into, if they run into trouble early, would they pull out Milrow, go to someone else, have a totally different look, and hope they can catch Texas by surprise? I can tell you right now, if we see Tyler Buckner in the game. I was just going to say. What's that? Look, well, if, if he is in, uh, you might want to be getting the live wager no, in as, well, no, as soon as possible. Bet the Alabama team total under. Well, if, or that. If Tyler Buckner is in the game, that's going to be my luck bet of the year then. <laughs> Tyler Buckner can't play, I, dude. I How this guy's on a Division One scholarship is beyond me. There's a reason why he couldn't cut the mustard at Notre Dame. But they believe in him for some reason. Uh, they might be high. I have right, no they, idea. Or maybe they go Tommy to, Reese. There's still right. Ty Simpson, who's a big recruit. Yeah, he's third on the depth chart. How good is he? I don't know. We'll see if that number comes off seven. A lot of, lot of interest in the dog, especially at seven and a half, Texas and Alabama. You know, Buck Dustin's nerd, got a bet Buck on uh, nerd, just, Buck just a bet on, a, on about every bet on the college football card. We'll talk more top CFB games when we come back. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. 
Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL game. Download now and use code SHARP to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting $5. That is code SHARP only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Still a ton of NFL talk still to come. Professional NFL better Steve Fezzik joins us in studio for the next hour, starting in about 15 minutes right now, though, with Amal Shaw, with Dustin Sweetelson. Let's get in to the rest of the big games here on the Week 2 college football card. So many. Dustin has bets on almost uh, almost all. Almost, Dustin. You, you didn't go all the way in, into the card. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Notre Dame, back-to-back weeks where they just beaten up on you know, first Navy in the Week 0 standalone spot, take out a FCS opponent in Tennessee State last week. Interesting to see what we get now against a real competition for the first time as the uh, the Irish go on the road to Raleigh and take on a, an NC State team that a lot of betters think is live, Dustin, over seven-point dogs. I'm uh, going to paraphrase here. They ain't played nobody, Paul. Notre Dame's played nobody. Why are we just automatically assuming Sam Hartman's going to, to New York for the Heisman ceremony and this Notre Dame team is the truth? Like, why are we just – based on who we saw, Navy, Navy, that, that's the barometer right now? And by the way, I'm not, I will like give you a little disclaimer here. I, Amal and I have discussed it before. Dave Dorn and Kirk Ferentz, I'm always on the wrong side of both of them. I, when I think they're bad, they're good. When I think they're good, they're bad. However, I was on UConn in week, was it one or zero? Where they, it was week one. Yes. Where they, yeah, it was a Thursday night game. So I was on UConn, they covered against NC State. In this one, I'm actually going to back NC State, which is a dangerous thing to do because I don't know about you guys, but it's a lot of faith in Brendan Armstrong. <laughs> Well, that's the thing I was going to say. As much as your your point is well made in the sense that Notre Dame hasn't played anybody, but you can look at a game and you can see how a team plays and performs. For my money, as good as Drake may may be, at the collegiate level right now, Sam Hartman's probably the second best quarterback in college football, behind Caleb Williams. He's like thirty five. I don't care if he's seventy five. The bottom line is he's still the second best quarterback for my money in college football. The bo- he gives you mobility, intelligence, and an ability that most teams right now are lacking. Go ahead. So I like that. But he has faced NC State three times in his career. He's one in three. He threw three interceptions in two of those games. One of them was, was the win, by the way. NC State knows him. I think they're very aware of Sam, Hart- Sam Hartman and his capabilities. And I think NC State's a pretty physical team, certainly more physical than anything Notre Dame's seen so far this year. That's why I think catching more than a little bit, you know, the hook, yeah. seven and a half at home, I have to go with the Wolfpack I, here. I don't have a problem with your play on the Wolfpack here. My only uh, objection is the fact that I think Notre Dame is better than they're getting credit for. And with Hartman, it makes a difference. Look, you mentioned the fact that Notre Dame hasn't played anybody. Who the hell has NC State played? Connecticut? I mean, my no, God. I, but no one's crowning NC State. Everyone is crowning Notre Dame. Maybe, but I, I just thought scoring five touchdowns on your five, first five possessions, that was better than Washington, USC, Alabama, uh, Georgia, sure. Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, they all played the same level of competition. None of them, none of them looked as good as Notre Dame did. Maybe. I, I understand that, but who, who, did, who did Georgia play? 
Tennessee Martin. Yeah. Tennessee Martin's not even in Division One. The Skyhawks, you know what? They're solid in college basketball. When you go down there to play, it's a tough spot to play in college hoops. I'm not laying points on the road when I go there in college hoops. But I can tell you right now, in college football, you better put up 35 against them in the first half. No one was impressed with what Georgia did. Everyone's acting like they're impressed with but everyone's acting like they're impressed with what they saw from Notre Dame. You don't know what they are. They played literally nobody. They had two scrimmages. So how come Michigan struggled in the first quarter, first half? How come Ohio State struggled? How come Alabama got off to a bit of a slow start? Washington didn't score in the first quarter. USC was in a tight ball game, gives up a third and 22 to San Jose, San Jose State. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Isn't that San Jose State? I don't even know the names of these schools. Georgia, new offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo. He stinks anyway. <laughs> That's a so, problem when you hire your old teammates. Yeah. There's a reason you ran them off to begin with. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the other ones, some teams don't try to show much. I think some teams play it very conservative. Notre Dame decided we're going to beat up on Navy. Good for you. Look, Good for you. If you're betting NC State, you're betting it because of what you laid out on Sam Hartman's history within yes. this specific matchup and some of the struggles there. I think a lot of people are betting this because they go, all right, well, Marcus Freeman is a head coach last year when his teams were laying points, a touchdown or greater, were really, really bad. But I don't know how much you can you can just carry that over blindly from year one to year two when it, you now have a legitimate quarterback. That to me is a... Didn't so, they have Buckner at quarterback yes. last year? Oh, and so, and, so, and, and also, this a lot. Notre Dame over the years, this has always been a, a tried and true method for me, is they will play down to opponents. They, tr they always play down to people. They keep people in games that they actually have better talent than. I think player for player, Notre Dame is better than, than NC State. But they will allow NC State to stay in this game, and that's why I think NC State can cover the. My point is just to, to solely base the expectation that Notre Dame will have a letdown, just because it was in w one year of Marcus Freeman. It's not like we have that much data to go off of. Presumably, you improve as a coach from year one to year two. I get what you're saying historically. To me, that's just a bit of a reach in assuming. Well, Notre Dame sucked when they were big favorites last year under Freeman, so they're going to suck again this year. Oh, Wilson, I thought Wilson summarized it beautifully. I don't have anything to add. There we go. All right, let, let's move on. Seems like every uh, sharper and any better with multiple. Uh, online accounts in the world is on the Texas Tech Red Raiders uh, here, Dustin. And you're, you're joining the party. We, we have seen some movement here. Red Raiders at home against Oregon off their loss in Laramie, Wyoming. And as I update my odd screen, uh, we are now seeing sixes painted across the market. Only a couple six and a half still out there, Dustin. And you get six and a half, but I'm all like, do you? I feel like it's less in college, more in the pros, the bounce back in college football. I don't know. I, I don't normally put that much stock into it, but in this case, I do. Because um, I do think Texas Tech, outside of what we saw against Wyoming under Joey McGuire, I thought they were going to be a, a good coach team. They were a year ago, and I think maybe last week was an aberration where they got up at the half and they just didn't want to show anything for the next week because they had Oregon looming. And obviously Oregon dropped like 81 on Portland State a week ago. Uh, but I'm going to back Texas Tech here. Also, it's a revenge game for the quarterback for Texas Tech. And I, I don't want to put too much into what Oregon did offensively a week ago against an FCS opponent. And I think there's somewhere in the middle, like the bad from Texas Tech and the good from Oregon will meet in the middle. And I like the Red Raiders getting points at home. I'm getting almost a touchdown. Yeah, not a bad argument there. They throw for 338 against Craig Bowles' defense, which is obviously better than Oregon's past defense. Oregon was bottom three in college football last year. They've replaced all five starters in that secondary. We talked to Nick Aliotti about that, the former Oregon DC earlier this week, Ben. To me, what Texas Tech does well with Tyler Shug is throw the football. They're going to be able to throw the ball. This is an emotional opportunity for them after a bad loss in Laramie. You know, Oregon, I don't think anyone's taking anything from that game. I, will have, I do have one complaint about Bo Nix. I mean, four incompletions, only three touchdown passes. Come on, buddy. 
what are you doing? Well, I mean, he was the sensational. Run, the run game was crazy. Too. I mean, yeah, it's 81 points. It was a basketball score. I was being completely facetious. I mean, he goes 23 for 27. He was outstanding in that game. But now you've got a different level opponent, different caliber. This is a good opportunity for them to bounce back. And I'll tell you one thing historically, Ben, covered the Big 12 for a long time. It was always tough in certain spots to go to Kansas State, to go to Iowa State, and to go to Lubbock. Lubbock is one of the most It dim- smells, right? Well, it's when you're in Amarillo. Oh, okay. It's about, about 60, 70 miles from there. It might be about 100 miles. But the point is, it's not the easiest place in terms of getting to. And it's one of those things when you go in there, you see so many teams that have better teams on paper. They should win the game. And they don't. And so... This is one where I think the Ducks eke it out, but I would look at the dog here in this particular spot. There's a couple of matchups. You mentioned Wisconsin-Washington State. I'm on the opposite side with you. I love Bucky Badger. I think they're going to play extremely well. I know they're going to the Palouse, not necessarily the easiest place, but up at Martin Stadium, not the biggest home field advantage in college football. Jones Stadium has traditionally been a little bit more of a difficult spot in the Big 12. Smallest, uh, if we're talking Wazoo, by the way. Smallest, yeah. Smallest Power 5 football stadium in existence. What, just under 40,000, which is kind of crazy. Oh, I love the Palouse. Love calling games up there. But uh, interesting to hear your thoughts on this, Dustin, because you you went into this line thinking you were going to bet one side, and you flipped, which rarely happens. How did you get there? So I go, I, I usually lay out when the lines come out where my initial lean is, right? And I go, this is what I'm thinking. Let me go do research on the game and see what I come up with. And I compile my information for the game. And look, I I think what we saw from Washington State a week ago against Colorado State, like, I think people were thinking, oh, there's not much to it. But I do think this is a revamped Cougars offense. Like, one, Cam Ward is back again. He's a really good quarterback. They have a new offensive coordinator coming in, Arbuckle. He's 27 years old, comes from the Western Kentucky system. I think that opens up the passing game. They added a couple of transfers at receiver. Uh, Lincoln Victor's back. He had 11 receptions for 168 yards a week ago. I think Washington State can hang with them. And as someone who's very high on Wisconsin this year, I think Wisconsin, talent-wise, is as loaded as anybody in the Big Ten. I I did not like what I saw a week ago against Buffalo. Part of me was like trying to convince myself, and maybe this is where Amal got to, is that they weren't trying to show anything and they were kind of keep things simple against Buffalo. But these new passing concepts looked really, really out of sync for them against a Buffalo team that is maybe better than we think because we don't pay attention to them. But I did not like what I saw from this new passing attack for Wisconsin. They ran all over them. They should run all over them. Yeah. But I, th- I think Washington State has has some offense to keep pace. I mean, didn't it look, though, like that was a classic week one, new regime coming in. They they were not trying to just completely reinvent the offense in, in, in essentially a three-hour window. I mean, that's how I, I interpreted the game no, from Wisconsin. I, I, that's what I wanted to. But the more I thought about it, it was like Mordecai did not look like a guy who started like for five years in, in college football. It's one game. Uh, Malusi and Braylon Allen ran for 298 yards good luck that's all that needs to be said as we'll talk more college football a little bit later in the show for the next hour though it is all nfl professional nfl handicapper steve fezzik joins us in studio right after this does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. 
They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.